and welcome to Funny Business, a podcast for free thinkers. I'm Robbie Hicks. And I'm Lockie Bradford. On today's episode, we speak with Abby Burgess, Australian lacrosse player and head of people and culture at Redbubble. Really enjoyed it actually, Rob, to be completely honest. Um, well, we're picking up what she was putting down. Yeah, we were definitely picking up what she was putting down. And um, um, if you don't know what lacrosse is, Abby explains it in, a, in some really good detail, but I suggest checking out some YouTube videos and stuff like that. But um, yeah, insane what she's been able to do with her career and how she balances everything, being a mum and <laughs> with everything. Um, it really put everything into perspective for me. We've got it pretty easy. We've definitely got it pretty easy. Um, Abby's a bloody legend and we can't wait for you to, um, to hear the chat. Enjoy. What's been happening in your world lately? What's, what's been happening on planet Abby? So we, um, so my, my partner Bryce and I, along with Poppy, um, Penelope, AK Poppy, we're actually in the ACT at the moment, um, staying with our in-laws. So when the whole COVID thing sort of dropped originally, um, we made our way up to the family beach house here. And um, when the second wave hit, we were actually literally packing the car to go back to Melbourne. I'm like, well, let's just pump the brakes and see what happens. Um, and that was what, two and a half months ago. We're still away. Damn. Yeah. You crammed it. How, how many people inside the house? There's six of us. Okay. Yeah. 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 So a lot of family time, a lot of bonding. <laughs> there is there is a home cooked meal around the dinner table every night of the week. Yep. Oh. And, oh. and like historically, we're kind of like takeaway people. So, you know, it's been a bit of a change. Oh, I, I'm a takeaway man. I'm, you're a, you're a home home cook hicker. Oh, yeah, you home love, cooked with hicker. Yeah, yeah, you love that sort of. Oh, mate, yeah. I'm all about Uber Eats. What about um working from home? So you've been on the laptop working from home at the moment. Yeah. So um, with Poppy arriving six months ago, um, I'm sort of nearing the back end of my parental leave um, stage at the moment. It's been interesting though because you know, you're sort of still keeping up with what's happening in the industry. You'll have the occasional Zoom or, or Google Hangout. Um, you know, you might be looking at articles, those sort of things. So there's still kind of this mental balance that you need to do between, um, you know, day-to-day parental responsibilities and, and keeping up to date, not only with what's happening in your industry, but also your team. Um, you know, I think with, with the COVID sort of stuff happening, um, there's been there's been a really strong push and a big desire for um, more connectedness and this this kind of proactive reaching out. So, you know, on the work front, Zoom and, and Google sort of um, meets on the go. And then um, with my Australian lacrosse team commitments, we're having sort of fortnightly um, check-ins with our, our state-based team members as well as the, the entire Australian contingent. So, um, for me, I'm, I'm never really feeling that I'm too far away from the laptop or the iPad or, or some sort of meeting that, you know, is, is coming up. Um, I think the beauty, particularly in my industry, has been that um, technology, there's always been a sense of remote work, um, work from home, work from anywhere. So um, this idea of just jumping on or, or logging on wherever you are, um, that part's not particularly foreign. But it has, it has been a bit of a head spin, um, you know, trying to balance trying to balance all things. Oh, I can oh, only imagine. hundred percent fear on that one. I'm, I'm, t- I'm so sick of looking at a screen all day, every day, <laughs> sitting in the same room going, it's like Groundhog Day every day. I literally had this conversation with my partner this morning. We're like, Monday, here we go. 
Yeah, it's a bit like that. Take, yeah. take us uh, lacrosse, lacrosse, lacrosse yeah. in Australia. It's not a massive sport here in Australia. How no. did you get into it? Have you guys, have, have you heard of it? Yeah. No, yeah I watched my... it on TV. I used to watch it on ESPN. So cool. So cool. Okay. Well, we're already one step ahead because usually I have to say, no, we're not on horses. No, we're not in water. Um, you know, no, we're not running around, I don't know, some sort of track. So the fact that you're aware of, of what the sport is, um, I'll, I'll sort of recap on that. So it, um, lacrosse is sort of played on the same dimensions, dimensions as a hockey or, or lacrosse um, or soccer field. Um, we have an offensive and a defensive um, sort of roles within, within the team and um, sort of general, um, general sort of um, club to club competition. You have 10 to 12 players on the field with a couple of subs coming in off the bench. Um, I, as a youngster, had a background in track and field, and it just so happened that um, when I started high school um, in the lovely uh, beachside town of Williamstown in Melbourne, Victoria, um, my high school had an accelerated sports program, and uh, I was able to sort of try my hand at a couple of different sports. And anybody that knows Williamstown will know that it is a mecca, um, it's a mecca for sort of lacrosse it's a breeding ground basically um so i tried my hand at lax and you know 20 odd years later i'm um, i'm still running around <laughs> still running around playing so um yeah it's a tough sport isn't it yes yeah. it's, it's brutal yeah yeah it can be look i think um you know you you've mentioned watching sort of espn i'm imagining you've checked out some of the guys sort of games and some of the big hits and that sort of stuff um, the women's game is super fast, it's super skilled, um, and there's probably a little bit more finesse that happens in our game. But, you know, when you talk about hard knocks, my thoughts immediately go to some of the worst injuries that I've seen, broken eye sockets, you know, ACL and knee injuries are a regular, um, unfortunate sort of um, outcome of the game. I actually had my skull split open in the 2013 World Cup in Canada. Um, I had a, a Canadian player come in and sort of check me to the, to the backside of the head and play sort of continued. And one of my teammates from behind me is like, hey, Ab, what's, um, you've got something sort of down the back of your, your neck and your jersey. And, you know, you sort of touch your, your neck and your head and boom, there it was, just sort of blood coming out everywhere. So, you know, quickly off the field, they sort of pat you down, uh, glue you back up. And then you're right to go back out. So for the for the rest of that 10-day um, World Cup, I was running around with sort of a bird's nest situation on the head because you couldn't brush your hair. It was just not wanting to touch that area. Um, and, you know, that's that's probably one of the um, biggest sort of injuries or, or hits that I've had. Um, but I, I, you know, don't want to paint a bad picture. It is highly skilled. It's a lot of fun. And um, you're not getting injured every time you walk out there. But... There is, there is a bit of a risk. Oh, it's the excitement. It's the excitement. It's the adrenaline. Oh, some of the games are brutal. But, yeah, the skills and the finesse, it's just something different. I mean, it's so foreign for a lot of people. But when they see it for the first time, I think they're a bit blown away. I mean, you'd probably see it a lot. Definitely absolutely. see it a lot. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and, you know, the, the modern game um, is ultra fun. I think it appeals to a lot of people based on their sort of sporting um, skills. It's, you know, for those that like a challenge as well, you can't necessarily just pick up a, a stick and be able to catch and throw. Um, so for those that like to 
focus on something and, and challenge themselves really have to stick at it for a while before you can find yourself in, in a bit of a flow state. Um, yeah, so that part's cool, but also um, I think an area of the game that probably is, is a little underdone is really the history of the sport. So Indigenous Americans um, across the East Coast of, of America, um, they would play tribe to tribe. Um, and it, it, in their culture, it's known as the medicine game. Um, so bringing healing and, and a way of um, conflict management and resolution insane yep so it was primarily played by men um, over the centuries and, and of course the game has now evolved but to um, play a sport that has such a rich um, um, sort of meaning and significance for people and, and be so um, embedded in, in their lifestyle over centuries is is something that I don't think is spoken about enough in our sport or highlighted and um, it's something that I think is, is particularly uh, interesting and it's something that I uh, cherish a little bit about being involved in a sport that's not only unique but has such a, a rich and diverse um, history. And, cool. and when, um, when Indigenous Americans have little babies, they're given a lacrosse stick when um, their bub is put in the crib. So they'll have a hand-carved lacrosse stick um, with leathers sort of created and, and, and put in their crib as well. It, beautiful you're kidding that's a joke i had no idea about that yeah yep well can you move the needle a little bit on that like in terms of if the game in, in the growth state in australia like mm. can you can you can you do that more traditional storytelling to the game can you make an impact for yourself or is it more the the i suppose what is it the industry so as a whole uh, yeah okay so um look the sport here is really small so we we only have a few thousand um, members across australia hubs in Perth, Adelaide, Melbourne, um, a small hub in, in Sydney, um, Brisbane, and, and lo and behold, Canberra actually has a lacrosse club. I've been down there um, the last couple of weekends, so shout out to the Griffins. Thank you for having me um, over the last few weekends while I've been here. But um, the sport, it, it really probably needs to start from a grassroots, um, you know, uh, space in that school programs and things like that are the way that you get youngsters interested and, and sort of picking up sticks and having a, a run and a play around. And, and I think with that uh, comes early education and a bit of an understanding about why, you know, the sport is, is not only really cool, really fast, uh, really interesting, um, but also why, you know, um, why we play and, and the history behind that and having an understanding and appreciation of it. The game in itself is in a bit of an interesting state. I followed a dude on, I've gone completely blank what his name is at the moment, but he's the, the founder of the men's. Is the, Paul Rebel. Paul Rebel. He's a cool dude. Yeah. And, he, and yes. he's doing... He's cool. He's the guy who posts all these photos, like, tops off, just looking jacked. Throwing yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, are you think, okay, so it is Paul. There's also um, an, an Aussie guy called uh, Cal... Uh, Cal Robinson, who's known as the Big Koala, and yeah. I thought you might have been talking talking about him, but no, Paul Paul Rabel is the founder of one of the men's um, pro leagues in the US. And he's putting he's putting a big spin on the moment, trying to push. Um, they're going to travel before. I assume I don't know what's been going on at the moment. But before COVID, they had the traveling tournaments, so they'd actually move the teams around. Yeah. I like that as a. It's sort of what the AFL are looking at doing at the moment by default because of COVID, but I think it works really yeah. well because from what I heard him talking about was, was about getting exposure of the game to people who might not be able to see it. So instead of, they just take the talent to the people rather than trying to ask the people to come to the talent. Exactly. 
Um, and, you know, this idea of sort of um, pairing with other events or tournaments that are going on, um, you know, if there's other sporting events happening in a particular city or, or location, um, you know, having sort of lacrosse as an opening, um, you know, demo sport or things like that, there's a whole heap of ways, as you say, to get that exposure up, um, which, yeah, is, is one way to get people interested because, yeah, if, if you don't know about the sport, you're not necessarily going to travel to a said location to watch it. But if it comes to you, then it, you make it a lot easier and you, you break down some of those barriers. Um, in 2018, um, I had a really cool opportunity to go over and play in the women's um, professional lacrosse league. So their first season, um, they're, they're sort of, um, launching year, if you will, um, I got to play for Philadelphia, which was awesome because they had a similar concept. <clears throat> we would travel around to different locations all on the east coast of the US and play. And the way they were actually getting more exposure for the women's game was to um, try and coincide with the men's uh, pro league over there. And on weekends and, and tournament days there, we would also play the, the same location um, before or after their their games which was really cool that's mad yeah and you, you, you've tell take us back you, you've represented Australia. how many times have you been the green is it green and gold everyone's still the same colors that's no, that's yeah, the colors of the country mate that's what we're right yeah. <laughs> we're still in australia a bit lost. <laughs> what a buzz though it must have been like growing up as a kid and never been involved like never been really experienced or seen lacrosse until you get to high school yeah probably wasn't a dream like a big dream early but am i wrong no. in saying that Look, well, if you actually ask my mum, she jokes about um, me running around the house in my babies um, chanting, Abby for Australia, as a youngster. Um, and whilst I had my, you know, swimming cosy on and maybe I was imagining being a swimmer or whatever I was at that time, um, what, was, what was always clear to me was um, I had a, a huge passion for sport across the board um, and a lot of pride in in being Australian and, and having that opportunity to to represent in in whatever sort of you know field that was. So whilst um, lacrosse wasn't really you know known to me probably until I was sort of eleven or twelve years old, um, you know having had the opportunity to to represent Australia three times, three World Cups, um, 2007, 2013, 2017. Um, and hopefully again next year if the body the body holds up um, it's I, I can tear up talking about it um, the the strongest sort of moment of pride for me is is going arm in arm with with my teammates and getting to sing the national anthem before you um, you know sort of take take the field it's um, it's a feeling like no other and it, it sort of brings together you know sort of 24 months worth of hard work um, sacrifice mental resilience and, and excitement to just get out there and um, play at the highest level with you know competitors from across the globe that that hustle hard run hard and, and want it just as bad as you so um, I love it I absolutely love it and it's a privilege every time I, I get to step out there and, and represent Australia and being around that high performing environment with like you said with all them other athletes it must inspire you to even different ways to prepare and all that sort of stuff and just seeing the way they go about things totally so one huge area for us at the moment is on the mental component of the game and and again we talk a lot about covid and we're seeing a lot of the impacts of um, <clears throat> isolation and, and um, mental and physical health 
And so one of the big areas for us at the moment is looking at the mental side of the game um, with restrictions for um, different states at the moment, meaning um, my teammates are, are able to and, and have to train in different ways. Um, we're asking more of ourselves around what can we be doing off the field? Um, this idea of visualization and, and imagery um, and education via, you know, books or, or whatever content you can sort of get your hands on. You don't have to be physically out there, um, you know, punishing your body all the time. It's this concept of training your mind the same way that you train your body. Um, and for some of our team members, it's a new concept or not something that they've explored in a lot of depth previously. Um, but we know that when we talk about and we see elite competitors and elite competition, we're talking about sort of the 1% difference. And, and that can be the make or break between um, winning and losing. So um, having that mental edge, um, expanding ourselves in terms of um, mental capabilities and resilience, and also tapping into different ways to, to keep each other connected and, and positive and con uh, you know, confident during this time is so important. Um, you know, we're even in a little bit of limbo at the moment, knowing what's going to happen with COVID and, and whether travel is going to be an option for us. So, um, you know, any sort of 1% edge that we can get is, is what we're after at the moment. We've spoken to a few people um, from different teams. We have one of our good mates is Liz, Liz Watson, who's the VC of the Australian Diamonds netball team. Cool. Um, and we talked to her earlier in the year about trying mm. to stay connected with her teammates and, it's an interesting take that you're talking about is like yeah. trying to remain positive and everyone else is in limbo doing different things. They might be paid like spread out all across Australia. Yeah. What, what are you guys doing to stay connected? So um, one of the things that we're doing at the moment, we've actually got a team um, sort of comp or inspiration post going around ISO ingenuity. And what that means is um, come up with different ways to recreate training drills or um, scenarios using at home sort of equipment you know not everyone has a gym set up at home and all of a sudden you're in lockdown and you're thinking how am I actually going to train or, or recreate what I need to to get in you know the stick repetition or the footwork or whatever it might be um, so yeah ISO hashtag ISO ingenuity is a thing at the moment um, and we've got girls posting and sharing different ways that they're, they're training so um, you know one example that I had posted was um, tipping over the classic family tramp that we've got out the back here onto its side and using that as a bit of a rebounder for my stick repetition because there's no brick walls nearby or um, those sort of things. So just getting in the reps um, on the old tramp has been a nice, easy way for me to, to help keep the stick a little sharper than it, than it otherwise might have been. The Forrest Gump technique. Turn down the exactly. wall and just go at it. <laughs> Don Bradman. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, right? That's um, crazy. Yeah. So sort of fun, fun ways to do that, um, you know, a couple of games again, and, and that encouragement of constantly checking in. So we've got the formal team meetings that happen every fortnight and, and then we've got teammates checking in on each other and, um, you know, just some, like the ISO Ingenuity game, I think it's a great way for, for us to be staying connected and, you know, eyes on the prize, right? Yeah, and get you thinking yeah. about different ways, like creative ways of coming up with new things. It probably helps in a game sense as well when you, there might be a problem and things aren't going to plan. Right. Mm. it might be, you know, like you said, you turn the trampoline around, but it's just simple things like that where your thinking might be a little bit different in a certain situation. Go, I've been like this before and I've got myself out. I've still got the confidence to keep going and yeah. do it. Yeah, exactly. The, um, the Australian Olympic team Facebook page has a whole sort of list, a library of um, 
ways that their athletes have been training whilst in ISO as well. So, you know, it's not just uh, exclusive to, to the Aussie lacrosse team. For anyone that's looking for home gym inspo, um, I would encourage anyone to anyone and everyone to check out the, um, the, the Aussie Olympic page. There was like a, a skier doing indoor skiing on uh, bubble wrap or something. It was I think just... I've seen, is there a video of that? There is, yeah. Yeah, I think I've seen that. Uh, that's creative. I haven't seen it. So Very it's creative. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, I mean, full points for creativity and, um, you know, again, whatever way you can get the reps in and, and replicate what you need to. How do you, do, how do you um, sort of replicate or do you take any inspiration from the Australian lacrosse team into your work outside of that? Um, head of people and culture, people and culture director, is it at Redbubble? Yeah, so head of, head of people and culture. Um, we... Redbubble's doing really well at the moment. We um, we have just posted some really fantastic um, results for, for this quarter. Um, I, our share price has tripled since the beginning of the year and, um, you know, our, our revenue results have been fantastic as well. So um, it's, it's been interesting in that, um, again, during a COVID era, um, as an organisation, we've been able to really see success bring everyone together, um, focus on the end goal and, and push through. So whilst I've sort of been on, on the outer in a sense of, of being away with parental leave, um, remaining connected to, to my team and, and the broader organisation and, and being able to share in the success of, of recent company results is awesome. Um, but to, to come back to sort of your original question around that, um, any way that you can that you can bring your team together and, and engage and, and focus on that end goal, I think is really important at the moment. And um, when I think about some of the things that I look to transfer across to my team from a sporting context into a work context, it really is having meaningful relationships. Um, and, I, and I say that not to be sort of cliche, but it's genuine when you have true connection with people and you, you truly understand them beyond the surface layer, it really builds a strong level of, of trust and sort of a desire to, you know, um, go the extra mile. Um, and I think that that's something that we see a lot of, particularly in, in the sport of lacrosse, where it's a, it's a small community and, and everybody is super close and, and you want to play and work hard and hustle for each other because of that, because of those relationships. So um, that's something that I certainly really try and instill and, and foster in my team um, on, on the PNC front. Um, and also just looking for opportunities for more autonomy um, when, when people feel that they have the reins and the opportunity to, to take ownership. I think that really increases your likelihood of team success because they're feeling more empowered to be able to go out there and, and get it done. And it's the same on, on the sports field, right? If you're told, hey, I trust you, I believe in you, um, you know, you've, you've got the ability and the, the space to go out there and make the decisions, take a shot, not take a shot. Um, that makes people feel empowered and, and they can then go forth and conquer. So, you know, there's, there's a number of ways that I think, um, you know, sport transfers into, into the workplace. Love that. hundred yeah. percent. What am I getting your take on? Like, what is the role of people in culture? Like, what is the function for an organization? Yeah. So, do you know, I was actually talking with someone the other day and, and they said to me, oh, is, is people and culture the same as HR um, and how, you know, how do they interact? Um, and, you know, for me being in that, that industry and, and um, 
sort of, I guess, just taking it a bit for granted. So for me, the obvious answer was yes, they're one and the same. Um, but for, for other people, they hadn't, that penny hadn't dropped yet. So I kind of describe it as like the HR industry has gone through a bit of a rebrand um, and, and people and culture is, is um, the end result of that rebrand, particularly in the technology industry, um, digital tech, they're, I think that we're particularly fortunate that we get to focus less on, um, you know, the performance management or the, the redundancies or HR coming out of the, um, the dark, dimly lit corner at the, the top of the office when there's bad news to be delivered, right? <laughs> and it's, it's more about looking at um, ways to attract and retain top talent, uh, ways to keep your organisation engaged, um, you know, uh, employee benefits that are actually meaningful mean something to people and that they feel that they're getting value from those um, and so I, I think that's sort of the difference between the, the classic HR stuff which is still there like sure there are times where we need to have difficult conversations and um, you know organizations are always going to change and there are going to be restructures and, and you know the nuts and bolts but beyond that if, if you have those foundations in place and, and they're working really well then you get to work on on the fun stuff, um, you know, the, the stuff that sort of gets you out of bed in the morning and, and is the reason why you bounce into the office. I think you look at the difference between some of the companies that might have a, a branded PNC culture that might uh, that may not actually play that function. They act more yeah. like a historical HR yeah. uh, HR function. Um, I probably want to know touch your you've touch on you've worked at some interesting companies like REA, car sales, yeah. Invano, and now Redbubble. Yeah. What are the similarities that you see across successful companies when it comes to creating a good people and culture function? Mm. So when I think back over all of those organizations, if we're talking actually specifically for the PNC function, and I'm going to say more broadly across those organizations, it's been leadership. Um, it's been having role models across the organisation that are genuine, that are authentic, and that really just inspire you and, and want you to come in, um, have a good time and do good work. And um, across, across those companies that I've worked with, you know, albeit during startup or, or scale up sort of phase, um, each sort of style has been different. So leadership style, company style and direction has all been a little bit different, but the, the common sort of denominator there really has been um, the leadership team. And, um, and yeah, that's, that's been across PNC and the company more broadly, I would say, hands down. 100%. Because yeah. what, what role do you see leadership can play in creating an engaged or a disengaged workforce? Oh, it, it starts and stops there. Absolutely. Um, you know, your, your team, your company, again, whether it's your sports team, it's your, your work team, uh, you look to your leaders to set the tempo, um, to set the example, um, to provide sort of the, the guiding light on the where you're going and, and the why um, that you're heading in that direction. So if you have a leader that's sort of, you know, floundering at the top, is, is disengaged themselves, isn't showing the passion or the interest, that's, that's going to flow onto you. You're going to say, well, if they're not into it, why am I into it? I'm, I'm not going to try it particularly hard. So it's, um, it's not only really important, I think it's, um, it's the make or break in terms of being successful in your endeavours or, or not successful. 
hundred percent. I was having this conversation with a mate the other day around um, successful teams and it was around why people it's in the best interest of themselves to want their team to be successful. I like coming from a sporting background, that's innate. You like, you want to be in a sports team, but people who, I guess being in a similar industry in the tech industry, it's like teams is not a natural thing. So if people who grow up have never really, if they've never played a team sports or being involved in team environment, yeah, it's a difficult thing for people to understand the concept of a team. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to get your take on that. Yeah. Like, and I think there are probably particular roles across organizations within, within the tech industry as well. I'm not, I'm not going to call out specifics there, but there are particular roles that um, I suppose you're not necessarily more incentivized by, but it's just a natural um, component of the role where you're in your own space and, and you're doing your work and you don't often come up above the canvas to have a look and see what, what is happening with everybody else. Um, and I think that, um, you know, whilst that's part and parcel of, of our industry and, and some roles, there are ways that as an organisation you can start to encourage people to, to step out of that space and, and it doesn't have to be a drastic change where one minute, you know, you're focused on yourself and, and you know what you need to do and the next you need to be um, the most amazing team player, but there are, there are small sort of bite-sized pieces that you can um, be offering to people to help lift them up and, and bring them out into the team environment, you know, whether it be um, opportunities for, for teams to get together or, or celebrate the wins or, um, you know, getting off-site. Um, again, coming back to that relationship piece, I think that's a, it's a really natural way to do it. I think one, um, one of the errors that companies make is trying to force or create um, situations that don't feel natural or, or realistic, you know, and you kind of go into that thinking, this just feels wrong. I've got no interest in, in being here because this is just um, a bit of a fake attempt at, at bringing people together. Whereas if you're able to provide um, the space and the time for people to make those meaningful connections and get to know their teammates, their co-workers, um, that's when those authentic relationships start to build and, and almost naturally, instinctively, you, you want to um, do better and be better for your team. And that's when your mindset starts, starts to shift, I think. How, how did you learn these skills? Like, how are you implementing? Are you just learning by just doing it and experimenting? And, or are you reading books and different techniques from other people? How does that work for you? Combination of, of some of those parts. I think, again... Uh, a sporting background and having a team mindset from a very young age has has meant that I always look at um, these things through that lens. My default is uh, team first as opposed to to individual first. Not saying that that's right or wrong, but again, having having had that sporting exposure, um, that's sort of my mindset. Um, books, content, reading. I mean, I would say books. Let me uh, correct that. Audio books. As a new new mum, it's really difficult to find time to sit down, open up a book and read it. But when you've got it on the audio book, you can be listening to that bad boy anytime. (laughs) Um, It's the lazy man's book. It's reading. It's perfect. It's like getting read time. Um, On 1.25? You do it on 1.25, don't you? Get it going. 1.5. 1.5. 1.5. Sorry, mate. Yeah, okay. Sorry, mate. Because there there is a real difference, right? If it's like the one, is it the one point, oh, 1.1 
one or something like that there's a real there's a real difference between the slow talk <laughs> yeah. and then and then the, the one that's too fast so i'm with you somewhere in the middle there but i'm often you know pushing buttons thinking oh he's sounding like he's talking really fast today what's going on <laughs> he's a chipmunk <laughs> <laughs> right but um but a book that uh, i'm reading it or listening to at the moment is the mind gym um, so again, looking at uh, ways to not only exercise physically, but exercise mentally um, and, and some techniques that you could be doing around uh, visualization and, and meditation. And um, Who's that again, one by, sorry? I'd have to... Mind um, Jim. I can search it after. Yeah, just search. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, we've got um, Google. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so it's, it's um, bringing together sort of sources and inspiration from a number of diff different channels, right? Um, and then it's, you know, talking with with friends and, and people in the industry as well. Um, you know, finding out what, what they're doing, what's working, what's, you know, what's not working. Um, and then I think naturally as, as you progress throughout your career and you sort of build your your toolkit of experiences, you're able to, to reflect um, and, and be better informed about the decisions that you might be needing to make in any given scenario based on, you know, previous experience. So um, I wouldn't say it's any one of those things. It's definitely a combination and it's kind of just doing the best that you can, right? Like you're not going to get stuff perfect all the time. Um, and there's no right or wrong way of, of um, doing things and trying to better yourself and, and being more educated. It's just going, you know what, I'm a human. I'm going to get some of this right. I'm going to get some of this wrong. Um, here's my sweet spot, you know, here's, here's my area of, you know, uncomfortableness um, and that's who I am. Mm. We're on a, a constant sort of evolution, I think, and if we can embrace that and just be real, it kind of takes the pressure off, um, you know, feeling like you, you need to have the answers or, or know exactly what to do all the time. And, and coming back to what we were talking about before with how do you, how do you get your team up and going, um, you know, in, in the PNC industry or, or as a company as a whole, I think um, just being a human and, and reminding people that that's what you are is a really um, simple and, and natural way to go about things, right? Oh, 100%. I mean, yeah. if you're coming in, you're saying, hey, sorry, I'm late, the kid's been violent. Oh, yeah, I can relate. I've got a kid. And that's the, yeah. all the stuff we're learning at the moment. I suppose we already sort of knew it, but the stories that we're hearing, it's the same sort of thing. It's the storytelling. It's the, yeah, it, it all yeah. makes sense. Um, yeah, and, and being able to create an environment where um, you can be your full self, right? And I think mm -hmm. that's actually one thing that, that the tech industry has been at the forefront of for quite a long time now. When we look at sort of diversity, equality and inclusion, um, creating spaces for people to come in and, and be able to be themselves and be, be natural, yeah. not feel that they need to lie or, or make stuff mm -hmm. up. But, you know, lucky as you say, you know, I've, I've had a bit of a shit morning. Um, the kids have been hectic at home. Um, that's far more real than, you know, just, oh, sorry, I'm late, mumble, off you go. And, and 100%. That's my, work. Yeah, mm -hmm. my, my partner, Tal, she's in the she's business development in real estate. And she mm -hmm. said the one thing is, um, yeah, just, just all, doing all that stuff and, and making sure you're all over it. And, um, yeah, it's similar sort of, similar sort of skill sets, I suppose, mm -hmm. isn't it? Across, yeah. yeah no, Absolutely, sense. like transferable. 100%. What about culture killers? What mm. about people who go outside what the norm is or what it's expected? Yeah. What do you do with them? 
people because I, I've, I've got to take on people who go outside the culture and what it, the impact that has on the team as a whole. Yep. But would love to understand from someone who ends up at PNC division, what, what are your thoughts on culture killers? On the culture killers. Have you got any, any examples? Like when you say culture killers, what, do you, what comes to mind for you? Mine would be around if, if you're in a team and you're trying to understand mm. it's people who derail others. So they may um, impact the productivity of other workers. They may bring influence, influence, yep. influence others by um, I guess bad not, not bad behavior, behaviors that don't follow, I guess what expected of, of the team norms or the company yeah. norms. So it's like people who go outside of what's expected that also it, it, imp, it can, imp, it can derail team yeah. outcomes it's really toxic isn't it talk it spreads it spreads yeah. yeah so i mean what do i what do i do in that situation I, I think there's a number of factors that i think about there um you know for particular individuals like how how far along in their time with the organization are they are they relatively new are they still learning about what is uh, normal for that particular team or organization that they're in have they been there for a long time and they've just become a little bit angry and frustrated and it's time to move on? Um, what is the messaging that's coming through from the organisation? Um, you know, when we come back to, to what we were talking about before around leadership, is leadership, um, you know, creating and, and sending out messages that, um, that are right for, for the team and the individuals. If you've got all of those things, um, you know, ticked off and, and you're going, no, nah, that's all humming and we've still got a bit of a culture killer there. My personal preference here is to just have a chat. Um, and that is not like the authenticity piece, right? How uncomfortable is it going into a room with, you know, the overhead lights, it's white, it's a bit stale, you sit behind a desk and you're like, all right, Johnny, I need to have a chat to you today about being a bit of a culture killer. You know, mm -hmm. your attitude stinks and I need to see a change. That is the worst. No one wants to do it. No one wants to be in that situation where um, you're in such a stale environment trying to deliver those messages and hope that you're going to achieve, you know, a change there. Um, so I, I, I genuinely believe that there is nothing better than, again, pulling somebody out, hey, mate, let's go and grab a coffee or, um, you know, a wine, whatever it might be, and have a bit of a chat. You know, um, more often than not, when you actually get to know the person, you might discover that stuff's happening behind the scenes for them. What's going on at home? You know, is, is there anything else as an organisation that we can be doing to support them? Once you've got the full picture, then you can start to say, hey, have you realised that, you know, your vibe's a bit off lately? Like... Again, using day-to-day um, -day language and, and just being real about it, I think you've got a far better chance of being able to make a connection and have a positive impact. Now, that's not going to work every time. Sometimes you are still going to have the angry Johnnies of the world who just want an out. Um, and it's my role and it's the role of people and culture to help facilitate a really positive outcome, you know, if, if um, that level of toxicity isn't going to go away. But um, it's, you only get to that point when you've done a really comprehensive, genuine job at the steps before that. Um, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Oh, man. 
you you are the queen of people and culture you're, you're laying down some some truths today it actually all makes sense you know what i mean like the human element is something that we touch on it and it's about everything you know what i mean it's yeah. not just business it's about you know just forming that connection and really getting to understand why the person might be going through something at home where it could be a yeah. simple fix where you're like hey if you need to take the mornings off on monday to sort that out if that's going to make you better and make you show up and and you know be your best version of yourself that's fine you know what i mean because at the end of the day people are people like you were saying and everyone's got stuff going on at the moment especially now and it's yeah. a super stressful time so you really i suppose it's empathy and and understanding and communication probably yeah. the probably the big ones for you absolutely like if you know if that was a family member and they were getting around home shitty for a couple of weeks you'd be like hey what's up mm. you know like um why should it be any different in the workplace you know sure yes we've um you know, there's certain protocol that you need to follow, but um, beyond that, um, just just being genuine makes all the difference. So, you know. Yeah. And the importance um, of the environment and the language you were saying, like bringing them out of that environment. Because I, I suppose now you probably see a lot of people, people in culture, bring them out for the coffees, but not have that personal connection. They understand the steps to bring them out and do it, to take that out of the environment, but you still need to be, you know, form that connection and, and really dig deep and understand. I think that's probably where your natural strengths sort of, take over there and, and that's where yeah. it all happens for you yeah absolutely sense. and those barriers are broken down right again um you the person that you are when you're in the office sometimes you 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 present in a certain way you might sit a certain way you might talk a certain way you, you take somebody out of that environment they can relax a little bit more they might give you a little bit more of themselves they might feel a little bit more comfortable um you know just taking a walk around the block or yeah. you know going to have that coffee it's it can be the environment too what about when you're onboarding people? What, what's something that you look for? Like if you're, if you're recruiting people into the company, um, I'm sure there's specific values and stuff with the company aligned at Redbubble, but is there anything for you that you're like, oh, well, it's sort of something that you've picked up over the years, a common trend that you, know, that, that, that you like in people and culture? Yeah. Um, so different companies will look for different things. Um, things that I'm looking for when I'm recruiting, um, you know, people that have an, an understanding and an interest in the product um, that, that you're um, working towards creating, I think is a really big one. So, um, you know, you, you'll have lots of people apply for a certain position. Um, and I think some of the differences that, that can make or break even the start of a conversation can be the level of interest and excitement and energy that you get from somebody when they're talking about your product or your brand. Um, and if you're not picking up on that in the beginning, then you, you know, you probably need to be asking yourself, all right, well, why are you interested in um, coming to work for us or with us? And it might be that, you know, it's the, the company perks or the benefits or it's um, future opportunities around career development. Um, and that's fantastic. But when we're looking at those one percenters and the differences there, um, I'm always looking for people that, yeah, have, have an, an understanding and alignment to the product or, or the direction that you're wanting to head in. I think that's a, that's a really important one. Yeah, you, you, what did you say about energy, Rob? Like you, you had some sort of spiel about energy when, when you come into the room and, you, and you're giving off a vibe. Um, that's almost more important than oh, actually- You can you tell the sometimes. difference. Yeah, you can tell, especially now, I guess on with everyone's remote, you have to sort of turn it on. It's like when you, it's like performance, I guess. You, Before a podcast with us, we have to G out, we have to bring energy. Yeah. Yep. You know? you can't, if we're on for an hour, you can't, you can't sit here bored. Like we're not, we're, <laughs> yeah. like, not that we'd ever would be. Yeah, talking about, I mean, this, is, this is great. But like, 
<laughs> well, it's hard if you're trying to turn up all the time and you have to get ready to be on. And it's like those role types that require, um, that are people facing that require empathy, that require thought feeling, um, it takes it it takes away so you have to make mm. sure that one you can recharge if you're not if you're not on back-to-back calls but the other one yeah. is going into a room is it's not hard to smile because smile is contagious and you can mm. impact you can impact a room pretty quickly and can change and pick up the vibe and a bit like talking about the culture killers before it can, the, the same in an inverse effect can be pretty relevant if no one's willing to engage everyone's sitting back those behaviors can take over so it's interesting totally what's um I reckon you guys might have some hot tips there too, particularly given the majority of the workforce is remote at the moment. What are your go-tos for getting the vibe and the energy high before you're, you go into your next podcast? Oh, we, we just pump up ourselves up on how good we are right before yeah, we jump right. on. Oh my God. Right. Hey, our past episodes have been killer. The next one's going to be even better. Um, we jump about four Vs before 10 o'clock in the morning every time. We're just buzzing, I, bouncing off the walls. So, um, I'm, this makes me think of something uh, a teammate of mine had posted on her Instagram page, um, a bit of a, a vibe or her state at the time. And it was um, a Will Ferrell um, Talladega Nights oh, reference. Yeah. And it was, I'm um, male, female, other, or the best there is, plain and simple. I mean, I wake up in the mornings and I piss, piss excellent. excellent. <laughs> yeah. like, yes. You have to be. That you is have, it. Yeah. That's, have to that's want the it. magic potion. Yeah. Before well, already. Yeah. Well, you look at all the best fighters in the world. They're all G'd up. Even if you don't really think it, you need to tell yourself that because there's so many other people telling you how shit you are. You need yeah. to tell yourself how good you are sometimes, you know? Totally. Totally. And that, that comes back to the, the mindfulness one percenters, right? That can be, that can be the difference. Oh, that yep. makes sense. Well, I'm interested to see how you're training your mind and the different exercises and stuff like that. Like the mind gym, like I know you're putting the, the feet to the pavement and going for runs and getting the fitness up, but what are, what are some things you can do for your mind? Is it important to like to find confidence in stressful situations? You know what I mean? Is, yep. that, is that what it is? To find confidence in stressful situations, to, to have belief um, in situations that are new to you, to um, be able to execute in a particular moment when you need to. Um, and whether that be through visualization, so imagining, imagining, you know, five seconds to go in a World Cup gold medal match and you're lining up on, um, on the center hash for a final shot. Um, the difference between making or not making that shot could be you having visualized nailing that shot um, in your mind, you know, hundreds of times over and over. I'm not sure if you guys are a fan of MMA, but um, yeah. Conor McGregor uh, a number of years ago put out a bit of a doco or, or um, a highlights reel on him and he spoke about the power of imagery. And he's like, I'd imagined winning belts in two different divisions. I had everything that has happened to me. I, I saw that in my mind before it happened. So this, this idea and the concept of, of visualization and imagery can be really powerful because when, you, when you're in that moment and you've got memories as such of having been there and done it before, um, that gives you the confidence to be able to execute and nail in that moment, nail it in that moment. There's another one who does so that powerful. as well, which is Mick Fanning. Mick Fanning, three-time yeah. world champ. He speaks so much around visualization mm. and what he does and how it's helped him get back through injuries, get over 
some of the hurdles he's experienced in his life. Mm. And it's exactly that is that you can, he, he, the way he explains is he's already surfed however many ways before he even goes out and paddles out for his heat. He's yeah. already had. He's but already can you play that. the game? But can you play the game before you even get out there? Like, be mentally exhausted. Like, if you're constantly thinking about that the day before, can it mm. can it go the other way? It totally can. But that's that's the idea of training for it, right? Yeah. If you're if you're imagining it and you're you're doing it over and over, um, it's it's in essence the physical training as well, but it's the mental training. So you will learn throughout that process um, what your flow state is. And, mm. and whether you're, you've overdone it on any particular day. So, so, um, so sorry, when visualisation, do you imagine all the feelings that are coming in that situation? Like you're in yeah. there and you're going, hey, there's a person here, there's a person here, how am I going to get out of this situation? Is that what it is, really yeah. feeling it, not just seeing yeah. it? It's feeling it. So um, to come back to the sporting analogy, it will be um, what does it feel like lacing up your boots? What do your socks smell like? When you step out across the white line, um, to step onto that field. Does the turf feel soft underfoot or is it hard and firm? What does the air smell like? Is the sun shining? Can you hear the crowd? Um, how tight is your grip around your lacrosse stick? The same applies in a work context when you might be going in to do a big presentation. Um, you know, what, what does the feel of your laptop look like? Is the microphone a fluffy big one or, or a small, you know, bulbous one? Um, what is the smell of the room like? Is there is there murmuring and chatter amongst the audience? Going through that level of detail and repetition will help calm you and, and centre you and have you ready to execute because you feel all of your senses are telling you, I've been in this situation before. I, okay. I know this. I have I have the muscle memory. I have the, the sensory memory of this. It's, if, it's trickery for the mind, but it yeah. works. What if it's not the same? Like you said, like it was a certain type of microphone. It was a different one. Can it put you yeah. off course in your mind and go, well, shit, that's not the process that I thought in my head. Now I'm stressing out or is it not like that? Yeah. I mean, maybe. I think that might come down to the individual. I think if you've thought about enough of the components though, yeah. you would have the mental resilience just to move on to the next one. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you're an anxious or, or apprehensive person, um, you know, some of those those triggers might be the areas that you then focus on. All right, well, I shit the bed this time. How do I how do I get over that for next time to make sure that if the microphone, for example, is a little different, that's mm. not going to derail me. Um, but again, that's all part of the, the the evolution and the learning process, and we're not going to get it right all the time. Yeah. But we just know that we're going to have a higher likelihood the more we practice and the more we do it. It's awareness as well. Yeah. That performance aspect, I think that's something that really can translate over to work. I've been going back this week and, and my target is to go back and listen to all the episodes that we've done and then break all the learnings that we've got down for them. Mm -hmm. So I've been a bit brain dead the last week, but I was um, listening to our episode with Jackie Frank. Um, she was media wizard for Marie Claire and all the magazines. And she spoke around understanding what hat she needed to wear as a leader so that when she walked into the room is that she had she was ready to go for that performance element, which is mm -hmm. it's interesting because we're obviously not from a media background. We don't understand what she's talking about. When mm -hmm. she's explaining it like that, for me, it automatically goes back to sports. It's like, all right, well, if you've done the visualization, if you're coming in from a work context, you go, mm -hmm. well, for this meeting, what, what parts of myself do I need to turn on and have ready to get the best outcome for my time here? What is Absolutely. needed? What is needed from myself? What is needed for the people around me in this team? Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's going to be different to um, the way she explains can be different to the hat I wear at home when I'm going to go spend time with my kids and my family. So it's, yeah, yeah it was, it was cool.
Absolutely. Multiple hats and we're all putting on different hats at, at um, different stages of every day. Um, and I, I think that's a great analogy. And um, yeah, it's one that is sort of simplifies the, the concept, right? And, um, you know, the hat that, that I'm wearing when I'm talking to teammates versus the hat that I'm wearing at the, the dinner table here with my you know, uh, in-laws, they're going to be different hats, right? 100%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, Alex, thanks so much for jumping on. It's 9.59. We've beat okay. the buzzer by a minute. Awesome. Um, oh, you've touched on so many great points and, and really brought up so many, so many good tips and advice for a lot of our listeners. I mean, it's been amazing to, to hear you talk about people and culture. You're the first one we've had on to talk about this sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's been great. Oh, it's been awesome. I've, um, I've really enjoyed it. I feel like we could have gone on for another couple of hours and we wouldn't have realised the, the time. Yeah. But, yeah. We'll, we'll, do a round so two. we'll do a round two again later in the year because I think um, we'll have a lot to chat about when you're, when you're back in the office and, and working with the teams. And, Absolutely. You know, Penelope's a little bit older. A few more stories there. <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> Easy. Abby Bloody Burgess. Just understanding how the people and culture function works, how it... I guess it's different to the old HR function, mm. how it's much in the same, but just a new way of looking at things. But her perspective on authentic leadership and um, I like touching on culture killers. I enjoyed that piece of chat. I think it was just it was a good chat. Good chat. <laughs> Simply put, good chat. Good chats all around. Gold star, yeah? Gold, Gold star. star. No, we can't wait to see what Abby does um, in the future. We're, we're big fans of her work and, yeah, just an pleasure to meet her and um yeah hopefully you um took something away um what you can do to help us out share like subscribe whatever you do um leave us a review on apple Podcasts. that'd be actually that'd be sick yeah, don't like just go to apple Podcasts. leave us yeah, a review just leave us a review actually don't do less is good if it's not good don't leave it but if it's good well leave yeah it. yeah yeah positive feedback only yeah we only like positive feedback i think we're rambling let's wrap it up wrap it up see you next episode